Hello and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I'm Noah, and I'm here with... Kayla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to have a fun Secondhand Film Critics time. Yeah, really fun time. With yeah. one of my favorite directors. One of your favorite directors, Taika Waititi. YTD? What T? I don't know y- how to say his last name. YTT. YTT. YTT? I don't know. That maybe can help me remember hmm. it. Yeah, but so it's a Taika YTT ranked. Most of you listening are probably aware of who he is. But his birthday, when I was looking at his uh, Wikipedia page, his birthday is only nine days away from mine. Wow! Yeah, so basically. And a couple years you know and and just a few (laughs) just a few we're basically the same age but looking at his uh like wikipedia page and death like the career section he had he's had a pretty pretty interesting career definitely like cool to see how big he's gotten over the years he had made a lot of short films as one does one of his short films two cars one night i think i recommended on one episode of this podcast yeah a while uh, while ago. ago Yeah, that I like that short a lot. That's a good short. But yeah, I made a few smaller films like Eagle vs. Shark was his first film in 2007. And do you, the the girl, like the main lead, Lily, was his then real-life partner, which is kind of cool. I always like when people do that. Then he made Boy in 2010. And What We Do in the Shadows was his next film in 2014. Then Hunt for the Wilder People in 2016. And I think at that point, all four of those were still like, quote unquote, were like for New Zealand, because that's where he's from, obviously. Like, I think Boy broke a record, and then Hunt for the Wilder People broke a, broke a record for uh, stuff, something in New Zealand, or box office in New Zealand. So he uh, really became popular there, and then he brought that over to the marvel side of things Mm -hmm. where he first made two shorts for marvel called team thor and then i guess that got him in the running and then to get thor ragnarok which was the third thor film one cool thing i saw was that he actually wrote the initial screenplay for moana but then they uh they they changed it i guess Hmm. but i didn't know that that's interesting yeah and i mean i guess that definitely helped him get in with disney more because obviously disney owns marvel so like they right. found him that. and then obviously more recently he made jojo rabbit in 2019 aside from the marvel movie obviously i think that was his first like stu- american studio release you know then now he's working in star wars a lot so yeah and he's got that um like soccer movie Oh, the next goal wins or next goal y- wins? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think it was originally slated for like this year. Yeah, um, and then but then I think it got back, moved back. Not because of Corona. I think it was originally moved back. I think it was moved back because of Thor: Love and Thunder, the sequel to Ragnarok. Yeah, like I think they he's or something like that. I don't know. They he his kind of stuff got shifted around because he Which is working on a lot of stuff he's writing that one co-writing that one thor yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure i mean that's Which he's working he on he didn't help write ragnarok so even though it has like stylistic elements of his for sure mm-hmm. in the comedy 
I think a lot of that is because of delivery rather than. Yeah, and I know in Ragnarok they um, improved a lot, so mm-hmm. I think he definitely had a lot of say there. But I think Thor: Love and Thunder, like when we fi- act, when we get to see it, will definitely be a lot different in terms of the screenplay. And then of course the like Akira movie. Yeah, yeah, which I mean... Which is... I think it was supposed to start production last year? Yeah, but now it's TBA again. because of Love and Thunder. Disney's really just destroying everything. Gosh. At least he's, like, getting a lot of consistent work, too, though. No, yeah, he's working on a Star Wars movie. He's working on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory shows for Netflix. Yeah, which should be pretty big, I think. They've gotten a lot of traction, and at least with those, they're animated, so they can be worked on. In in quarantine, right. Yeah, exactly. right now, because, I mean, nothing else really has production, so. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, he's worked, he worked on The Mandalorian, which was a big thing, so he's definitely getting a lot of consistent work. And Our a man. good balance between, like, original content and you know, bigger studio content. Right, right. Because I think people worry that original directors like that who get pulled into the Disney universe or Uh whatever get trapped. But I think obviously that was pretty clear with his success with Jojo Rabbit that he's not, like, selling out, you know? Like, he's still doing original stuff. Yeah, exactly. I hope he definitely continues to that. It worries me a little that all these projects he's working on are getting pushed back because, not because of Corona, but because of Thor. But today we're only going to be ranking, obviously, his six films. Kind of have a general conversation about him as a director, our feelings on his films. No reason, like, there's no reason that's uh, contemporary or something going on that we're doing this, but it's just a fun episode, a fun ranked episode. We love doing the ranked episodes, so... Yeah, gonna have more directors ranked in the future too. We'll probably we'll just start at the bottom. What's interesting about this ranked is that unlike other ranks, all of our rankings are different in this ranking. So I think that's are gonna they? be really interesting. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Hmm. That so that's is gonna be very interesting. So do you want to start at your number six? Yeah, gladly. My number six is Eagle vs. Shark, which is the one that I hadn't seen. Well, okay, to the second one I hadn't seen until this Right, week, right. Which we'll talk about. We'll talk about it. When we talk about that movie. Yeah, I didn't love it. I think I gave right. it like two and a half stars. Yeah, you gave it like two and a half. Um, I just don't think his voice was developed yet Hmm. i don't think there was like much consistency in it and it almost felt too much like other movies in a similar genre like yeah i obviously like um, like the biggest comparison is napoleon dynamite um and even just in the way like the supporting characters were developed so like for example the um, like, siblings of the guy she was interested in slash right. kind of dating, sort of, in a weird way. Yeah. Um, 
they were like selling products and wore you know track mm. suits and that was like something that was very similar to napoleon dynamite characters as right. well i just wish it would have been like a little more original yeah yeah uh, for those of you who don't know eagle versus shark was oh, his yeah. first like film in 20 uh, not 20 well 2007 and it's kind of just about like two like social misfits who kind of like you said start dating kind of uh she meets the girl meets the guy's family but they're both kind of... like so awkward i mean in the same yeah. realm as you know something the... like napoleon dynamite yeah exactly it's hard not to compare it to napoleon dynamite yeah because like, it's just cause... so similar it's like in the same time period basically yeah similar kind of uh music even yeah. like the score so but it's also uh, just yeah. like I mean we say that but it's also very on brand for Taika. Like mm. it sounds like his kind of comedy and it sounds like the way he directs people to deliver lines. But it's at the same time also not super original to me. And right. I would much rather watch Napoleon Dynamite any day than rewatch eagle versus shark yeah for sure like i've seen it twice now and i don't really feel like i need to watch it again ever so yeah i'm surprised it's like, you watched it a second time well i just wanted to make sure uh i i knew my feelings on it i'd seen it almost over a year ago so you know but i'll get into more of my thoughts when i get to it but my number six is thor ragnarok i don't really like thor ragnarok that much i mean it's definitely not the worst marvel movie for me i think i in my ranking i guess it's kind of in the middle mm. uh i like a lot of aspects of it i mean i like the the comedy definitely is the one that sticks out the story just ne doesn't interest me i can never every time i watch it i think i've seen it twice and a half now and i like when it's good if this makes sense when it's good it's good but in the, the definitely there's a lot of parts where it just doesn't work for me the cinematography, like, it's one of the worst-looking movies that, like, worst-looking worst, worst -looking blockbusters I've ever seen. It's just so ugly to look at. I hate it. Um, I mean, I definitely, I like it's the... It's not as bad as, like, the first Thor. No, I love the first Thor, how it looks. What? It looks, Are you It looks kidding? like a... It looks cool. Oh, my gosh. Have you watched it recently? I'm not talking about the story, though. I just like the cinematography. No, I know. Have you watched it, like, recently? Or are you I've just watched... saying that based on... I've watched clips of it. Oh, man. I... I think that is one of the worst cinematographies ever in I just like. Film. I just like a little bit of color, you know? In Thor Ragnarok, I feel like there's no... Even if it's, like, they have the, all the rainbow stuff, like, that's a theme. I don't know. I just think it looks ugly. I mean, I just uh... think Thor Ragnarok is just basic. Yeah, I mean it's, it's just basic blockbuster cinematography. Right. I just don't like the way Asgard looks mostly. Mm. But um, I mean, like I said, it's definitely not awful. I just, I'm just really indifferent about it, and it's, it feels like the least. Like I feel, I'll t I'll get into a lot of this more when we talk about him. But I have an issue a lot with his like feeling his personality through his films. And this is the one where I feel it, like, the least. It's, mm -hmm. And it could be, too, like you said, because he didn't write it. Yeah, so, and also, like, since it is a blockbuster, it's hard to tell how much of 
like that was limited by the, the studio, studio right. or what or if he was like trying to stay on a certain brand or just trying to play it safe which we'll be able to tell with Thor Love, Love and, and Thunder, Thunder and also right. the new Star Wars because you know hopefully the studios will have given him more permission to right yeah and he's a lot more i mean he was established obviously but even now he's even like more established as a director and a filmmaker so i hope thor love and thunder he gets a little more creative freedom because thor ragnarok like you said definitely like felt like it was a little more studio controlled i don't know just not my didn't really don't really like it that much so that's my number six i will say um it's a little higher on my list, but mm-hmm. I will say, um, I had thought I had seen this movie <laughs> because right. like, there's so many Marvel movies that they all just kind of blend together. And yeah. I also never really liked Thor. He's like one of my least favorite Marvel characters, right? especially in the MCU. Like, I'm just not interested. So I never really cared. And I also hadn't even seen, what is the second one? Dark World. Dark World. Until yep. like last year. That one's awful. Yeah, that I didn't really like bad. that one either. But, yeah, especially because Infinity War, I mean, this is a whole, mar- we don't need to talk about Marvel, but Infinity War focuses so much on Thor that it feels like you kind of already get most of the arc they're going for without watching Ragnarok. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because like, I already... just never, I, like, and I don't know how Infinity War and, like, Endgame made sense to where, like, I didn't know what happened in Thor Ragnarok. Right. But I guess I just never, like, cared. That shows your feelings on Thor a lot right there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that whole, like, couple years of Marvel, 2017 to, like, maybe 2019, Hmm. I just didn't see any Marvel movies. Interesting. But I didn't even see Infinity War in theaters. That's how wow. much I was like, didn't care about Marvel at the time. It's a lot. It's a lot to be invested in, and there were so many. And now none are coming out, so. <laughs> um. Okay, my number five movie. So this is his 2010 film, Boy. I've only seen it Which is right after once. Eagle vs. Shark. Yeah. I didn't love it. I think I gave it, like, three stars. I thought it was decent, but I Mm -hmm. think at this point, he was still kind of developing his voice in writing and directing. I don't love the direction is probably my least favorite part in this one. I Mm. think the characters just aren't developed well. I'm also just not interested in the story, so. So, yeah, that was his 2010 film um boy it's just kind of about a boy in new zealand (laughs) who um it's in taika watiti plays his father and the father kind of comes back and but obviously the father's not really a good dad he's kind of a a loser but boy kind of idolizes his dad and he kind of has to come to terms with who his dad actually is throughout the film it's a definitely a personal script for sure um, I'll get into more of my feelings. Yeah, I, get to my I wondered ranking. if I were to like watch it again, if I would like it more. Hmm. And I've thought about watching it again, but. Well, yeah. I did watch it for a second time, and I'll get into my how my feelings changed a little bit about it over 
me not much but i'll get into how that was for me so maybe that will be helpful for you but yeah, maybe. my number five is we've already talked about it eagle versus shark 2007 i feel similar to this one that i do with thor ragnarok i mean they both have like three out of fives uh on letterbox for me i just put eagle versus shark above it because i can i feel the passion for this for the film a lot more obviously because it's like his first film i don't know it feels like it has a lot more heart in it which is pretty obvious to say when the other one is a marvel movie i definitely enjoy a lot of the com comedy the story is kind of boring to me like you said the, and the characters are just really unlikable so that makes it hard to really care too much about what happens i love napoleon dynamite and like you said this is just a lesser napoleon dynamite it's like it's fun to watch but it's not really anything i think is like amazing so that's why i just put it above thor ragnarok because i think i just enjoy watching it a little bit more even though both of them i really would never watch again mm, yeah okay so my number four is thor ragnarok this one and my number three are basically the same i like i went back and forth a couple times i don't really care about either of them um, I mean, I enjoyed my watch experience with both of them. Right, right. Um, I know what you're saying, And though. obviously, after the ad break, I'll tell you what my number three is. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok for me, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was funny. I laughed a couple times. They're obviously, definitely funny parts. love Loki. Mark Ruffalo is also in this, so that's a big win. And then Tessa Thompson's character gets introduced, mm -hmm. so that's another big win. So, I feel like if this movie didn't have them, I would not have enjoyed it as much as I did. I was kind of disappointed. One thing that I didn't like about it was that they, like, killed off the other supporting characters that right. we, like, had been attached to. I mean, not necessarily attached to, but have been in the previous movies. Things right, like I know what you're buddies. saying. And... Right. Like, they just got killed, like, bam, bam, right away. It's, just, it's really funny. Like, it feels... It's technically the third Thor movie, but it feels like it could be the first Thor movie. Like... Yeah, like, it almost no... just rebranded Thor, which is fine. Um, But, yeah, it just felt... Like, I felt almost betrayed a little bit because they kind of had to set up for the, like, Infinity series... The Avengers Infinity right. War and Endgame. Yeah, so it it's felt like a they erased a lot of the Thor universe to make mm. room for Tessa Thompson's character and then also for um, his relationship with Hulk to sort of yeah. ease into um, Infinity War, which is kind of frustrating because, like, I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, you could have at least. Uh, you know, giving them a little more, like, instead of just getting killed and not even having lines in just some point two seconds, it was like, bam, they're dead. And you're like, oh, bummer. Well, there goes two movies worth of development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there were a lot of things about this movie in that sense that I just was like, it didn't feel like a third movie. And exactly. there was just, I mean, a lot of it didn't even happen on Asgard. 
No. It happens on uh, whatever that other planet is. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum's planet. Jeff Goldblum's place. <laughs> so, yeah, but I still enjoyed it. I thought it was right. funny. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it definitely four. funny. I'll get at that. My number four is Hunt for the Wilder People. This one had an interesting ride in my rankings as I was kind of figuring stuff out. It was originally my number six, so it was originally wow. my least favorite. But, you really do uh, not like that movie. Yeah, I mean, on rewatching it, I def I I saw I liked it a definite obviously a lot more. Not a lot more, but I liked it more, and I moved it up to number four. I think. I still have issues with it. I think it's pretty lifeless. That's a lot of problems I have with Taika's movies. I feel like they have a, they feel like they lack vision sometimes for me. In this one, I think especially in the cinematography, it just doesn't really have a voice. I hate all of the drone shots. The, the many drone shots. There's a but lot. I there are a lot. But this this time around I was able to appreciate the characters more um and just the chemistry between the two leads uh hunt for the wilder people is if for those of don't know it's about like an orphan kind of who goes to a foster a foster home or gets adopted and him and the guy that adopted him are kind of on the run from the social services and the police in the woods and it's kind of like a adventure movie it's buddy kind film. of like a buddy drama comedy. It's a bunch of different things. Yeah, I watched it again recent, like a second time with my family, yeah. and I liked it better the second time I watched it. Yeah. Um, because I feel like the first time I watched it, I think it was the first film of his I had watched, mm. and at that point I hadn't really like understood him as a person and so the second time i watch it because i like understand taika as a person more it came across better but right. at the same time it, it's like you said it feels very i wouldn't say lifeless but it, it, it definitely feels more like deadpan and more um just very straight rather than yeah. being more interesting right and i think it was based on a book if i can't if i'm not mistaken oh, okay. so interesting I didn't know it that. definitely feels like um like you said like very straightforward and there's but there like the second time i watched it i was able to appreciate and enjoy different things but uh still not one of my like top favorites i don't get the love as much like i see the cool the good like the story is really really cute and i think i like a lot of the things it just doesn't really come together for me by the end but i see why people like it yeah i do too it's i mean it's popular like people love this movie Even i love people um, who aren't into like indie movies right because it doesn't really feel like an indie movie yeah so that's our six through four of the taika watiti ranked but before we get to our top three, let's go to an ad break.
And we're back with our top three of Taika's six feature films. Mm, we are, we are. So you have you're on your number three right now, and just to to kind of look back and look ahead at the rankings a little bit, you said that this and your number four were pretty similar. Yeah, they both I think gave I think I gave them both three and a half stars. I went back and forth okay. a couple times. Um, I think this one, which is Hunt for the Wilder People and Thor Ragnarok, are very similar in the sense that, like, yeah, I just feel like it's hard because you can see his voice in both of them, uh, but they also just both feel kind of dull to me in a way. Yeah. Like, there's fun parts in both of them, and I enjoyed my viewing experience for both of them. But they're both also just, like, maybe not for me or not, mm. like, my favorite thing. But, like, I still laugh at the birthday song every single time. Oh, uh, the I birthday song is people. the best scene. Yeah. I think like, about that song all the time. jokes that still make me laugh. And same with Thor Ragnarok. Like, the piss-off ghost line cracks me up when mm. Loki's in the thing and Korg's like... Piss off, ghost. Oh, I love Korg. <laughs> so it's like, there's... Hey, man. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's funny things about both of them. Yeah, um, yeah. But overall, I just don't think either of them are, like, great movies. I yeah. I think they're just, like, mostly good movies. Yeah, I think Hunt for the Wilder People... I mean, obviously, I like it better than Ragnarok. It's too higher. But I think with Hunt for the Wilder People, I have similar feelings about both in terms of that I like the comedy a lot, but sometimes, like, especially the emotional emotional elements don't really land. But I enjoy the characters of Hunt for the Wilder People more than Ragnarok. Mm, if that makes okay, sense. yeah. The first time I watched Hunt for the Wilder People, I gave it three stars, and then my mm. second watch, I gave it another half star. Um, there you go. But I don't think it would ever get any higher than three and a half stars. Yeah, it's definitely like you like a for you. It's just like a really good movie, and that's that makes sense. I definitely have a lot of those where, especially ones where with like this, I feel like I want to like it a lot more. It just doesn't always hit the mark. All right, so my number three is what we do in the shadows. This was twenty fourteen. I think so. It was before Hunt for the Wilder People came out. Mm -hmm. This is, I think we've covered this before on a Halloween episode. But this uh, movie. Yes, we did. We did. It's a, like a vampire mockumentary uh, slash with werewolves too are a big part of it. That's really all you need to know. There's really not much. Like the thing with this movie is I it's like probably his funniest movie for me. It's like yeah, I it's laugh funny. the most out of all these i think it has the best jokes i think my biggest issue with this movie is that i really just don't feel like it's a movie mm. that much like i feel like there's there is a story there is a plot but there's really not much driving me like to continue watching to care about the characters other than the fact that they're just like fun and i like hanging out with them and i think i mean i haven't seen the show but i think that's why the show has been more successful is i think the format i mean it's obviously a mockumentary 
and just the idea of the show works of the the idea of the movie works better in like a tv format yeah i've been mean to watch the show i should and there's not much more for me to say about it i really enjoy it i think it's one like i said his funniest movie but it is obviously like the comedy gets it a long way because it's definitely it's number three so <laughs> our top two so my number two movie is jojo rabbit mm-hmm. which i love bought it on blu-ray Listen to the director's commentary, which is probably one of the worst and best director's commentaries I've ever heard about a movie, because he literally did not talk about the movie at all. Usually director's commentaries tell you about how they made different scenes and stuff. Uh, it was mostly just him sitting there rambling about why no one listens to director's commentaries. So basically, this movie is a satire comedy about this boy, Jojo Rabbit, and he's a German boy, and his imaginary friend is Hitler. And so, it's about him kind of learning that Hitler's a bad dude, and not who, like, propaganda has made him think that he is i guess right obviously his most popular movie oscar winning jojo rabbit i gave it four and a half stars i've seen it three times now i saw it in theaters twice once with my mom and once with my dad so when it was like re-released right yeah i love this movie i love the soundtrack i love the score we got some good David Bowie in there. We did. Um, I like how they use the German version, like the German Beatles. I mean, we mentioned it in yeah, our Best Needle Drop. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this movie did come up in our in our secondhand awards, awards. I love Archie Yates. I love yeah, Roman great. Griffin Davis. I think they're both awesome. I hope that they both have great careers after did this. you see them in taika do like a reading of the james and the giant peach oh the i haven't watched it yet because really i cute. i'm not through like i have only watched like the first couple oh gotcha so i haven't gotten to that one yet it's cute anyway one thing that i'm mad about of this movie is that scarlett johansson was given a supporting actor nom but thomas and mckenzie was not because yeah. Thomas and Mackenzie's performance was so much better than Scarlett Johansson's. Right. I love movies like this. I love satire. I love, like, kids coming of age films. Who doesn't? I mean, kids coming of age films are. <laughs> I love the, Taika are the bomb. films, and this is, like, a very Taika film. Yeah, I know there are some controversial things about the material, and. I mean, I think that's very, some of those things I've read are very valid, but at the same time, I still love it, so. So my number two, speaking of coming of age films, is Boy, which is uh, a lot higher than yours. And I, my ranking didn't change with a rewatch. I definitely didn't like it as much when I rewatched it. Mm. I mean, it wasn't a huge difference. But I think the story is pretty pretty straightforward. So 
when you know where it's going, it's a lot less interesting mm, yeah. to watch. Because there are a few a few things that go on where it's like, oh, well, that was a surprise or whatever. But when you watch it a second time, it's there's not much to keep you invested. For stuff I do like for both times is I really do... I like the story, the idea of the story, and I like just the relationship between all the characters and just how i just think that it's a pretty great like the 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 world or the little area he created for the characters is really good i really just love the idea of how this kid is like looks up to his dad in that in all these different ways uh-huh. and how over the course of the film he slowly starts to realize different things that maybe aren't uh, great about him and just starts to realize maybe his place in the world is kind of his identity can be detached from his dad Mm. and there's also just a lot of things about how I mean his mother's dead in the movie and I think the way they handle that especially with his younger brother and I don't know. I just think that there's just a lot of personality in the way the story in this story, and like I said, the second time around, it's not very, is not as exciting. But for the first time, I think it's probably his most like it comes across as his most personal film for sure. And I just always am a sucker for personal stories, especially with Boy and Eagle versus Shark. It's interesting that they both use stop motion. And I don't know why he stopped using stop motion because I like the stop motion on both of them. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't use it in like Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Like even as like an opening sequence or a credit sequence, like it feels very like it could be more applicative in that style of movie. Yeah, I think uh, I think you should use it again. I uh, like one motion. thing I like about him and about Boy and some of his other films is his how well he directs children Mm, that's um, a good point which is probably because he's also basically a child but the way he casts kids in movies is he casts the kids that yes have skill acting but also are just very similar to the character that he's casting Mm -hmm. so for example like hunt for the wilder people um, some of his interviews on that film are really funny because he talks about how, uh, the kid that plays that role was, like... Ricky. Yeah, he, like, hated the woods, and a lot of his lines were, like, him, like, when he wanted, like, Ricky to sit down on a log or something, and and the kid that played him was, like, no, Ricky would not sit down on this log. And Taika was like, no, he would. And he was like, no, he would not. And I'm not going to sit on this log. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just funny that, I mean, like, I think he has a lot of talent in that regard, too, in casting. Because, Mm. especially, like, Jojo Rabbit, I don't think would have had nearly the amount of success it did if... Roman was not as good as he was, and Archie was not as funny as he was. Yeah, there's definitely, like, 
his characters are my favorite part of his movies and obviously with great characters you need great casting especially for kids because that can make or break your movie yeah, they could really take you out of the experience a bad a bad kid actor yeah. but he does a really good job with that especially because in three of his films Hunt for the Wilder People Boy and Jojo Rabbit kids are like the main characters so you need yeah you need good good acting and good directing for that all right cool, top cool, cool top beans. one we got our ones which now our, people will know what they are but you know there could be people that aren't keeping yeah track. okay me 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 uh yeah so my number one movie is what we do in the shadows which is my only five star wow. taiko film and i gave it a five star on my first watch which is like that's a big deal yeah, I do not give out five stars very lightly. It's very my kind of film. This and Jojo Rabbit both. This one specifically, though. Love the comedy. I love mockumentaries because they're like basically comedy versions of documentaries, which is mm-hmm. right up my alley. I think the characters in this are so funny. Because they're all, like, stupid vampires, even though they've been alive for, like, hundreds and hundreds of years. So you would think they would be, like, smarter, but they're not. They're just, like, dumb guys who are basically, like, a vampi- in a vampire frat house, it right. feels like. Yeah, um, yeah. The setup is so good. It's so smart. Also love Stu. I love- Stu is the, the best! I love the werewolf plotline. I mean, they've talked about eventually, uh, like, making a werewolf film is mm. their plan, and it just is, like... What we do in the moonlight. I think it's it called Werewolves. Like, where Werewolves. Like, we are wolves, yeah. but it's, like, a play on werewolves. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does say TBA. Yeah, but that's, like... I mean, I don't think they're actually working on it yet, but they've right. talked about, in the future, eventually wanting to make one on the same style, but developing the werewolf, werewolf. story. Right. Um, which I think would be awesome. Yeah, I watched it again this week. Because Is that I your was... third time? No, only my second. Oh, okay. Because um, I feel like it's a movie that you can't... Like, you have to be in a certain mood to be able to watch it, just because yeah. it's, like, either a halloween movie or, like, a different movie, I guess. But it's pretty short. It's only, like, a little over 80 minutes long, so it's easy yeah. to get through. Both times that I've watched it, there have been different things that have, like, stuck out to me, or different characters that have stuck out to me. I think the whole, like, culture of vampires is really funny. My favorite scene is when um, the cops come to the house and are, like, completely oblivious to what's going on. Oh, like, yeah, we'll that's a great say scene. say dumb stuff like, oh, you know, and they think they're about to get busted. And then they're like, you need a smoke detector in this room. And then they end up, like, eating the cops in the end. So Great great times yeah really good really funny it's definitely gonna be like a halloween staple for me like i'm definitely gonna try to rewatch it every halloween i think yeah i'll probably uh, watch it this halloween uh okay so my number one is jojo rabbit this is my only four star on the list so obviously i still have issues with it 
nothing really. I mean, I like same with you. I see the I understand the complaints or the worries about the content and the and the story. But that's not really the reason why I don't have it higher than four stars. Mm. Mostly for me, it's like I some of the emotional beats just don't hit for me. That's the problem I have with a lot of his films, which I'm going to get into more as like a recap thing. But for stuff I do like, uh, I like you said, I love the 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 actors, especially like the kid actors. I think their chemistry is fantastic. I actually do really like Scarlett Johansson's character, even though I agree. I don't know if she should have been nominated for supporting actress, especially because she was already nominated that year for best actor at best actress in Marriage Story. But I mean, I, I really do love her character. I don't know. I think it's definitely like I think it's probably his the best cinematography of his films. I think it looks the the cool the best. It looks the nicest. It has the most style. That's obviously very derivative of Wes Anderson, but I mean it does it well, so it doesn't really matter. And I think the script, I mean he won best adapted screenplay. I think the script is probably his tightest and his most um his most impactful even though like I said sometimes the emotional beats don't hit but I think that the script is it's his, definitely his best script that he's written and it makes me excited to see the films that he makes in the next in the next few years because like this is his most recent film so if this is like the best script he's written and this is his most re- recent film that makes me really excited to see if he can do even better with scripts in the future and develop his voice even further and yeah I think it's just it's a it's a good balance between I mean a lot of people said this but it's a good balance between comedy and drama Mm. and it definitely deserves to be to be praised I don't think it's perfect obviously but it's it's a good movie I think it's definitely a really good example of a quote-unquote mainstream movie Mm. that still can be like have a lot of artistic value because i watched it for the second time with my family and they all really loved it and i think that had they not seen it before no when i watched it i went alone oh okay yeah so they but they all liked it a lot and i think i think that that says a lot when something can be uh like i said have artistic value and be like artistically praised but also can work on a on a more mainstream level and appeal to mm. a lot of different audiences or yeah. something like boy or even what we do in the shadows are very obviously for a certain kind of person and i think that's why hunt for the wilder people was pretty successful was because that was similarly but even if it doesn't work as much for me yeah it's a lot more broad of a story i also watched that one like a year ago with my family and they all liked it a lot more than me so i think that well and it goes to show too how like i like what we do in the shadows way more than you do mm-hmm. and you like yeah. boy way more than i do and it's like right. i don't know if it's better for him to make more like have a more very specific target audience or if it's better for him to have the more broad audience yeah and i think that's what happens as directors like that get more 
success and get more like quote unquote like mainstream or big studio opportunities is that they kind of have with that big of a budget you need a bigger turt a bigger profit and i think they have to try to appeal to a wider audience which i mean that's the whole argument with indie films versus like studio films you know the more the bigger your budget is the more you have to quote unquote sell out but i think we kind of said this in the beginning i think he's done a good job of maintaining his voice yeah. i think thor ragnarok was probably i mean i didn't really know who he was when i saw ragnarok mm. but i think if i had seen thor ragnarok with and had already seen his previous four movies i would have been a lot more like pretty worried that like he was gonna kind of lose that voice which i mean i do have an issue with is that i don't think he's fully developed his voice for me personally i don't yeah see... no i feel the same way his per- i think he still has a lot of room to improve but i think jojo rabbit is definitely a step in the right direction whereas like if there was something similar to thor ragnarok which like you said i mean definitely has things about it too like but is a lot more toned down in terms of his comedy yeah i think it's less that he um hasn't found his voice than he hasn't like learned how to balance his voice yet in films yeah Um, i think he's definitely found it like you said that's a good better way of putting it just i haven't seen a movie that fully like captures it and fully like says him because also like especially i think in boy and maybe even a little bit in the way he directs thor ragnarok it comes out but i feel like sometimes he puts the way his personality is into the way he directs too much so Mm. the way that his characters talk or deliver their lines with like pauses and beats are is like the same way that he talks and the same way that he delivers comedic lines and stuff and Mm. so sometimes it's hard for me to separate his characters from him which i think is more of a bad thing yeah you want more variety in your characters yeah and it's like i obviously i want to see his personality in his directing and i think jojo rabbit is probably one of his better examples of distancing i mean they're still very like taika-esque lines but i think he distances it a little more in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's, yeah. But yeah, especially in like Boy and Thor Ragnarok in the way that lines are delivered, I'm like, okay, I know that this is how Taika would say the line if he was yeah. saying the line, but like, is it really how this character would say it? Would say it. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. I also think, I just, I mean, I watched, I rewatched a lot of movies of his in the last week, and I never got like a feeling of what he, he feels like in a movie like i know his personality through interviews and through his social media and i know like i know how that comes across but i just don't know if i've been able to see like his vision fully through a film in the way i can maybe see it when i watch other directors filmographies and i they're obviously very different films but i can point out different things that like hint at that oh this is a taika film you know 
and I besides facts that may be like oh obviously because the way this line is delivered but especially through the camera work and through the way it's edited I don't know sometimes a lot of his films to me come across as more like stock whereas I appreciate more of when he goes for more of like obviously his style so well and I, I think too when you look at someone like whose style is very developed like Fincher who we had an episode mm. on recently with Fincher it's not as much in his like really films writing and characters as it is in his production style whereas right, yeah. Taika's is very like I guess his brand is more consistent through his writing style than it is through his movie style. Yeah, that's a good Which, point. like, is one of those things that's, like, should every writer direct their own films? Because Fincher does not write his own films. Mm. But he has a very specific directing style, and I just wonder if Taika hasn't figured out yet what his directing style is compared to his writing style. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I think because obviously his writing has developed, and I think, improved. But And I think it's I think also fairly point, yeah. consistent, too. Like his yeah. stories and themes are very consistent. But Family, I think his directing yeah. style is where he kind of loses consistency that he hmm. just hasn't exactly figured out what he wants his movies to be. And, um, I mean, obviously, like we said, we've got a lot of films coming up to maybe to see how he's going to maybe improve or change his directing style or what he's going to do. So, like, I'm glad, even though I don't love all his movies and I don't think he's made, like, a really amazing movie in terms of me. I think Jojo Rabbit is the closest he's gotten for me, but I'm glad that he's getting work because I think he is one of the more interesting mainstream directors working now. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. It's weird to say he's weird to say he's mainstream, but he is. He's making a Star Wars movie and a Marvel movie, and uh, I'm just even though I have issues with some of his films, I'm never not going to be excited when I hear that he's making something just because. I'm just I'm always I'm always appreciative of creative people making what they want to make and it's pretty obvious that he's excited about what he makes and he loves what he does and I'm always going to be excited to support that. And he's also just a cool dude, so He is a cool dude. He has great hair. <laughs> I'm a big fan. He's like, yeah. I mean, even though I don't like a lot of his movies, I think he's in my top five favorite directors right now. Yeah, I think that's interesting because, like, we obviously have issues with a lot of his films, but, and it's weird to think that he is, because he's made six films at this point, but a lot of them, I mean, he's only made two quote-unquote big-budget mainstream ones at this point. So I think he still feels like he's in different, like, a stage of, like, development so. Yeah, well, and even, like, looking at other working directors, like, I mean, some some of, he has, like, even a higher filmography count, but, like, compared to some other directors, like, who are renowned directors, he's still in the beginning stages of yeah. 
like him becoming a popular director. Yeah, can't wait to see what he does next. Cool! That was Taika Waititi ranked. Um, well, probably, like, whenever he does a new film, all of his films are pretty, pretty big name right now. So whenever he releases a new one, we'll probably review that on the podcast, update the rankings. Especially Star Wars. Especially Star Wars. Yeah, we can update two rankings. I mean, we've got a long way. We've got a long way to go, but. Yeah, yeah. We're still podcasting in two to three years. Yeah, podcasts we'll, are actually we'll review a thing. <laughs> Take us Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll still even if we're not podcasting, I'll still have rankings, so I'll have two rankings to update. I'm I'm always going to be a ranking fan. Yeah, tell us what you guys think about Taika's films and maybe share some of your ratings of them. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Secondhand Film Pod. And you can find us on Twitter at, at Secondhand Film. So let us know over there your thoughts on the podcast and film in general. I mean, we'll answer any questions. I don't know. Yeah, cool. And you can follow us on Letterboxd. Um, yeah, you can. And look at our rankings. We both have our rankings of his movies public, but we also both have like other directors ranked lists. So you yeah. can check it out. Yep. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode, including our next episode, which comes out next Monday, the 29th of June, where we're doing another kind of throwback episode, but different, not really a ranked. But we're going to be. Talking about the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Wow. Uh, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. I mean, as many people know, there's definitely highs and lows in the. And in the you're fi- a big fan the of trilogy. these movies. I am. I mean, we'll get into it more. I'm obviously a huge fan of Number Two. Definitely and... a bigger fan than I am. I haven't seen these movies in like years. Yeah. But we'll get into all of that. I need to watch next them. Time. That just reminded me that I need to watch them. And we have a guest, right? Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, guest is joining us. Uh, Gabe, one of our friends, friend of the pod, is going to be joining us on that one. So hopefully it will be just a fun time to talk about the Spider-Man movies. But not all of them because there's like seven. Just the, just the Tobey Maguire ones. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Until next time, I'm Noah. And I'm Kayla. And, and we're, we're your, your second-hand, second-hand film, film critics. critics.